G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Sometimes we might wonder what value is there in gleaning wisdom from an ancient book like the Bible. Well, as Christians, we believe the Bible is God's word for humanity. And if that's so, there must be timeless principles that hold true across generations, cultures, and even into our technological age. Well, today we're asking, what does Genesis say to modern Australia about things like gender, about identity, about sexuality, life in general? What about race and what about the environment? Well, our special guest today, Martin Isles, in his new role with the Global Ministry of Answers in Genesis. And we are going to preview, too, what's happened with this weekend's sold-out Overcomers Conference, helping Christians think biblically about the moral and societal chaos that's descending on our Australian culture. Martin Isles will be sharing the platform with Answers in Genesis CEO Ken Ham, who's back on Australian soil, along with molecular geneticist Dr. Georgia Purdom. And I must say, and for months now, the 1,500-seat auditorium for the conference in Brisbane, it has been sold out. So even if you tried to get a seat, uh, you wouldn't be able to. So to, uh, to actually see what's going to be happening starting tomorrow and on Saturday, you'll need to watch via access to a Zoom stream. I'll tell you how you can do that shortly. Martin Isles' new role beyond his career with the Australian Christian Lobby is as Chief Ministry Officer. For Answers in Genesis, Martin Isles, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's always good to be back. Uh, Martin, before we get into the the meaty stuff of our conversation today, how's things going with your transition? Because, you know, there was the big announcements. Martin's joining the Answers in Genesis team. It's going to take you onto a global platform. Uh, You're going to be leading the charge for Answers in Genesis in Australia, but you're going to be uh, moving to the United States and travelling around the world. How's things been so far? Well, I think it's the calm before the storm, Neil. So the announcement came out, and ever since then we've been uh, strategising and putting things in place to enable some really exciting programs and projects for the future, probably starting in the next month or so. So we're looking at things like an Australian tour. We're looking at things like some youth programs. We're looking at things like what we can do to resource and help the education movement in Australia, especially the homeschooling movement. Lots of very meaningful things there, and especially on the education front for a sort of a post-Christian schooling environment in Australia. We're concerned that that day may come uh, because of hostile legislative moves against Christian schools. So we're thinking about all of that, and there's a lot of announcements that are probably going to come out uh, in quick-fire succession over the next month or so, so people can uh, brace for that. And uh, we've got great relationship over the past five years, and that's going to continue, and uh, opportunity for Vision listeners uh, to walk alongside in what will be some pretty major uh, initiatives, no doubt. And look, you've got a fabulous following that's come already. I've got to just draw attention to a YouTube clip 
uh, that's uh, you talking about what most Christians don't know, or you say most Christians don't know this about Babylon. And uh, and I, I just checked on this YouTube clip and more than 500,000 views. I don't know whether you've been watching the number of people who've been viewing it, or I don't know whether you read all the oh. comments on your uh, YouTube and that sort of thing, but, but, you know, this is pretty substantial, isn't it? Well, yeah, welcome to America, I suppose. <laughs> you know, uh, we, that was a, uh, that's a long-form one-hour sermon uh, on the book of Daniel from um, the Ark Encounter. I got up on the stage there and delivered that message one evening as part of a, a Living in Babylon, you know, USA event. Uh, and uh, I hadn't checked the latest views, Neil, but uh, as you, if it's over half a million, I see, which is great. Uh, and I also try not to read the comments because you end up getting in this situation where not only do the compliments go to your head, uh, but the insults go to your, go to your heart. So, uh, you know, it's best just to rise above the noise sometimes and do what God has asked you to do. But that's amazing to see. And, and it is a reflection of the fact that this is a big platform and we will have a ministry to Australia. We'll have a ministry to America, a ministry to other nations. And I trust and I ask people to pray that it will be something that honors God and gives people real clarity uh, on the world in which they live from a biblical perspective. You're going to have home in Australia, but you're going to have home in the US too. And I imagine that'll be in Kentucky, although there's three states around the area there, isn't there? It's uh, You've got Kentucky, Ohio, uh, Ohio Indiana. and Indiana. Yep. So uh, you get a choice to live in whichever state you want yes. to live in because all of those are much a similar drive to work, aren't they? They are. They're all about the same distance. Unless you live in northern Kentucky, you can live right next door to the head office there. Answers in Genesis have a number of properties. They've got the Creation Museum, which is in the greater Cincinnati area. Ark Encounter, which is a little bit further south in northern Kentucky region, uh, in Williamstown. Uh, they've also just bought a brand new, uh, very, very large um, property with a big office campus on it. Uh, and they have a fabrication center where they build all of their sets and exhibits and they do all their design work and they've got all their uh, their, uh, their their workers who, who work on, on, on various construction projects and so on. So it's a very large operation. And again, it just is this enormous brain almost, this central nervous system uh, for building ministry and outreach opportunities for the whole world, uh, including the United States. And for those who might be thinking that somehow or other building a life-size replica of Noah's Ark, which is just huge, and I encourage listeners to look at that online and just get some images, uh, what you think Noah's Ark might have looked like. It's a pretty good uh, and impressive structure that's there uh, in Kentucky. Uh, But the ministries, as you just described, there's multiple ministries, and it's not these days just about creating a debate between the creation and evolution narratives, but there's something much deeper than that. There's this biblical foundation for the gospel, and there's answers for people that are coming from the Bible uh, in an apologetics way that are giving people substance in their understanding of their faith today. Take us a little bit into what you're feeling about the opportunity opening up here, because that sort of foundation and the aspiration to bring that into making sense of faith in people's lives. Yeah, um, you've expressed it really well, Neil. So there's a real desire at Answers in Genesis, and it's the desire of Answers in Genesis to show people that the Bible is reliable from the very beginning, uh, right up to and including the gospel itself. Uh, And one of the things that people will notice if they ever get the chance to go to the U.S. and go to the Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum, uh, they will notice that these are evangelistic uh, 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 attractions. 
Uh, you can't escape the gospel in those places. And they think about a third of people who visit are not Christians, uh, which is incredible. They have secular tour companies rolling buses through every day, 1.5 million people a year. So it's an incredible evangelistic ministry. Uh, but it was founded uh, as a creationist ministry by Ken Ham, a fellow Australian, because the creation evolution debate uh, in the 80s and the 90s in particular and into the 2000s really was a great cultural flashpoint of the time. And I remember they had politicians on Q&A getting asked about creation and evolution. I remember Steve Fielding from Family First had to go through that. Are you a creationist? You know, this was a big deal. Uh, and it was people like Ken Ham who stood up and said, we're going to give people the tools to answer these questions and to say that what the Bible says is, is true and it can be proven to be true and it can be understood as true. Uh, now, of course, uh, additional issues have emerged since then. So at that time, it was the science of Genesis that Ken was really concerned about. But Ken and others have become more and more concerned, along with myself, about these additional issues which are also answered by Genesis that have emerged in the culture ever since. And so we're now seeing all these things that we never thought we'd need answers to, like what is a woman? Uh, you know, the, the issue of gender, the issue of identity, uh, particularly in the United States, this issue of race, that's a huge one, and the divisions and the, the, the cultural flashpoint that that's become and the tensions around that, uh, through to environmentalism and how what are we to make of God's providence over the environment versus our own responsibility. And even uh, when I was in the US doing Living in Babylon and in my former career at the Australian Christian Lobby, I was dealing a lot with politics. And you get a real blueprint for how the political system of this world, how we can expect them to work in Genesis uh, at the Tower of Babel. And so you see so many answers for the things that people are perplexed about, especially young people uh, today coming out of those, uh, those early chapters of Genesis. And so the ministry of answers in Genesis is as relevant as it ever was, uh, and it is much broader than it ever was, but it is also therefore more powerful than it ever was because it is answering the issues on people's minds in this present cultural moment. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Martin Isles. He has just really, is uh, just getting still settled in to his new role, Chief Ministry Officer for Answers in Genesis. And sometimes we think of Answers in Genesis. That's the creation versus evolution organization, isn't it? Well, here is a lawyer. Here's a Christian commentator, a preacher, who has a role to play because making application to the present day of what it all means when you are a creationist is where Martin Isles is, is at. Martin, where do we start here? I mentioned early on in the introduction, you know, we'll be talking about gender and identity and sexuality, race, environment. Let's start with maybe something that uh, you might like to talk about, uh, certainly around identity, because these days we're hearing about identity politics. People are aligning with various groups and everyone's becoming a, an activist and they're pushing their ideas. Identity is really one of those things that has really captured our society and perhaps not in a good way. That is right, Neil. So identity is a word that has exploded in prominence in the last 20 years, especially the last 10 years. And it really is an entire philosophy. Uh, if you ask any ch child attending even primary school in an Australian school, have you heard about identity? They'll say, oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and they might be just in grade five or something. And you might say to them, well, what is identity? And they'll start telling you. Uh, I've done this experiment a number of times. I'll say, oh, it's your sense of self. Uh, it's your understanding of who you are. Uh, it's your personal preferences. It's your desires. It's uh, what you think you are. It's all, And they'll start telling you all of these answers. Uh, and, you know, you can go onto ChatGPT, which is a great research tool because it synthesizes all the stuff that's been published when it gives you an answer. And you can ask it, what's identity? And it'll tell you, you know, this is your self-perception. This is how you see yourself. Uh, this is uh, this is all designed around your um, around your experiences in life. And they say, importantly, it's subjective. In other words, it's all about your feelings. Uh, and so you go through life trying to find out who you are based on how you feel at any given time. Uh, and that's where we're at. And, you know, you might even feel like, well, you're not a boy, you're something else. You might feel like, well, you're not heterosexual, you're something else. Uh, you might feel any number of things. Uh, and, of course, the problem we're facing here is well, what was always going to be the problem, which is that is there anything less certain than the way a young person feels from time to time? Uh, and what you're finding is that young people lack certainty. They lack clarity. Uh, they lack any sense of um, of a firm foundation. Uh, there's the tyranny of not knowing. Uh, also, you've got this other problem, which is if you're if who you are is entirely subjective, if it is only based on what you can see within yourself, it means you're actually um, causing young people to permanently uh, look within and to permanently uh, take a posture where they're not looking beyond this world or beyond their experience at all. And of course, what that means is that young people are losing hope because hope is beyond us. Hope is beyond our experience. Hope is something greater, something that we look forward to, something that is uh, beyond and greater than and above this world and our experiences. And so you are starting to see this problem of hopelessness creep into young people's lives. And if you look at the statistics, um, unsurprisingly, you see that hopelessness is an increasing issue. Uh, you see that um, uh, the, the, the suicide rate amongst uh, teenagers has more than gone up by more than 50%, nearly 60% in the last 10 years or so. Uh, you see that uh, 13% of teenagers have had a major psychological event in the last 12 months. So that's doubled in 10 years. Uh, you see that, um, uh, that, that something like a third of teenagers uh, have seen a mental health professional in recent times. The depression statistics are way up. The anxiety statistics are way up. We're seeing exactly what we would expect to see, which is hopelessness. Uh, and which is a lack of certainty and foundation, which leads to anxiety. And of course, nobody's asking the obvious question. Well, when it comes to who am I, am I really the only person who can answer that question? Is there something to be said for the fact that God created human beings and that when God creates something, he embeds it with a certain purpose and he embeds it with certain qualities and features that define what it is? And nobody's looking to God. Nobody's looking at creation. Nobody's asking, what does God tell us about who we are? And that's what I'm speaking about at a conference this weekend is biblical identity. Uh, it's the fact that in the Bible we learn that God made us in his own image. That really means something. God made us for a certain purpose to display his image. That's a high calling. What does that mean? It gives us something to do. Also, it's, God made us to know him. Uh, there's another great purpose. Uh, but also God made us male and female. 
that means something because God then goes on to explain why he did that, why he took the trouble to worry, to make a man and a woman, not just human beings. And also God made us in other ways. And so we look at the Bible and we start to see, well, hang on, here in Genesis, you see that the way God made things answers some of the real dilemmas that especially our young people are facing right now. So this takes us back, doesn't it, right to that Bible book of Genesis. And some might be thinking, well, can't I get that identity and that understanding from other places? Doesn't modern psychology tell us uh, what we can think about identity? Isn't this something for the 21st century? Why are we looking back thousands of years BC to be able to find where our identity lies? What are your thoughts here as we come back into this Bible book of Genesis? Are there simple things that we can glean? Are there some things that we glean that we say, if we ponder on those for a moment, this is profound? Uh, What do we think about when we come back to that Bible book of Genesis? Well, the reason we can go back to Genesis is because we find something in Genesis at that particular time in history and in that record that we don't find anywhere else. We find a world that was made uh, that was not spoiled by sin and corruption. Uh, And so God looked at the world in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and he said, this is very good. Uh, Now, we've got to take that seriously. We need to sit up and go, wow, what's very good? And it tells us what's very good. It actually paints, you know, a really solid picture of who we are, uh, how God, how we're supposed to relate to God, uh, what our purpose is in the world. Uh, Now, of course, what happened after that was that there was this event called the fall. Uh, And the Bible doesn't teach now that the world is all very good. Uh, You know, Jesus said the whole world lies in the wicked one. Uh, You know, the Apostle Paul said the creation itself is groaning for redemption because there's been a fall. And because now we see that things are broken. We see that things are corrupted. Uh, We see that things are not as they should be. And we also see that our own humanity is corrupted. You know, people are capable of greatness. People are very smart creatures. Uh, People are capable of tremendous civilization, uh, philosophy, writing, um, building, and so on, innovation. Uh, And yet people at the same time are such terrible creatures. We're capable of such evil. We're capable of destruction and murder and theft and deceit and lying and you know our relationships that break apart left, right and centre and there's carnage everywhere. So we're so great and we're so terrible at the same time. Why? Well, Genesis has the answer. We were made great, but we fell. And so in the Bible it says, well, hang on, let's go back to the moment of peak greatness <laughs> before the fall and let's see what was very good. And there are profound gems in there. And Jesus actually did this. You know, Someone came to Jesus and asked him about marriage. And he says to them, well, haven't you heard that from the beginning God made them male and female, and therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife? He's quoting Genesis 2. He's saying, well, guys, you want to know the answer to a a, a contemporary social issue? You know, if it's answered in paradise in Genesis before the fall, you want to take that answer very seriously and model your marriage off of that. Uh, He did the same with the Sabbath. Well, you know, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Well, when was the Sabbath made? Genesis, right? And so on. You can find gender questions there, race questions there. You can find the origin of evil there. You can find the nature of God there. You can find all sorts of answers to contemporary issues. That's why we go back to Genesis, and that's why it contains the keys to so much of our present concern. So we have the goodness of humanity, but also the explanation of where the dark side of humanity comes from too, in the fallen nature of mankind. And that in itself, and we might explore this a little further as we talk about some of these other things, but that identity, getting that right, Martin, 
that's the foundation for whether you flourish or whether you fail. And so there's chaos on the failure side. Uh, there's flourishing on the good side uh, to discover where our identity is. And we could get this uh, in a deeper conversation too, but our identity in Christ, which brings some way of correcting that which was lost in the fall. Someone who's been waiting very patiently on the line is Steve from Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. What's your question or what's your comment today for Martin? Uh, good day, uh, 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 Reverend Neil and uh, Reverend Isles. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, a question. that's um, regarding the Antichrist itself. Is is, is a, a courageous stand by a state politician... His name's Mark, Mr. Mark Latham. He's put in a, a private member's bill into Parliament to uh, hopefully protect the rights of children and parents from this awful, uh, uh, how can I put it, uh, uh, child abuse and child mutilation in our school system in Australia to protect parents and even teachers. Mr. Latham has made a courageous stand despite huge criticism from all levels of media, from society, to protect the rights of women and children and parents against child abuse and child mutilation brought about this gender um, uh, transitioning. God created man. God created women. The children belong to God. Steve, there's lots of confronting things that are happening and there's confronting ways of talking about uh, these things as well and you've identified some of those. Let's come to Martin for his thoughts here and he knows Mark Latham personally and he's been following this thing along. It's been going on now for quite some time. Uh, Martin, your thoughts for Steve around Mm -hmm. the challenges, the hostility around these issues? Yeah, look, I mean, Steve has touched on something important in this sense. Um, I am convicted and convinced, as I think Mr. Latham is, that there really is a genuine humanitarian crisis in our country at the moment. Uh, And that is seen in the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children who have been told that their gender, including down to how it affects their biological sex, uh, is just a product of what is in their mind. And as I said before, is there anything less stable than the day-to-day feelings and mindset of a young person? The answer is there's not much that's less stable than that. But based on their feelings around these issues, these young people are receiving irreversible treatments that will change their lives in negative ways from which many of them may never recover. This is a really sad and desperately tragic situation we are seeing unfold here in the West. Now, We can look to politicians and we can demand that they do something legislatively, uh, and we should, and it's good to see some advances here, albeit small ones. Uh, But, you know, I'm looking now from a different angle, which is to say, well, what can we do to help children and young people on this issue, given that it is now out there in the world? This ideology is everywhere. Uh, And one of the answers is that we we need to provide resources, we need to equip parents, we need to equip teenagers, we need to equip people to see that the answers are in Genesis and in Scripture on this issue, and they are good. And we're hoping to do that through an education movement, we're continuing to produce so much material through Answers in Genesis, because we need to change the culture. 
not just the legislation. We need to change the minds and we need to preserve and protect young people from this toxic ideology. This ideology that says, you know what, the way God made you is not the issue. The way you feel in your head is the issue. And what that ideology does is it says, oh, well, no, God's not the real creator. You know, God, the God of Genesis 1 didn't really create all things. He doesn't really have authority. You have authority. You're the creator now. Now, what you feel in your head is what really matters, and that's how to live. Now, that's a rebellion. Uh, That is a a, a terrible thing to teach young people because it turns them away from God first and foremost, but also it locks them into this uh, mindset and it locks them into this worldview where they are unshackled from God's wisdom. They're unshackled from God's goodness and God's perfect design, and they start to make it up for themselves uh, and adults are doing this to kids, actually. You know, kids are just, they don't know, you know, they can't even choose their own bedtime, half of them. Uh, but adults are putting this toxic ideology into kids' minds. And we need to be producing and boldly proclaiming the antidote. Uh, and that is my task now. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. But again, I'd like to say to people, you know, God made us male and female. And he said why he made a man, what the man was to do. He said why he made the woman, what the woman was to do. Read Genesis 2. You'll see it all there. And God has said, I'm the creator, not you. Uh, And here is my good design for your quote-unquote gender identity. The answers are in Genesis, and we're teaching that to young people. And it's life-giving. You know, uh, I've I've done a lot of worldview with young people, hundreds and hundreds in the last few years. uh, And this is stuff that they love to hear, that they want to hear, that answers the, uh, the concerns they have today. A bold proclamation of an antidote. I think that's something that some will say, how can I get behind that? We'll talk about that perhaps some more shortly. Thank you so much, Steve, in Parks. Let's continue to take some calls. Let's hear from Toot in Albany in WA. Hi, Toot. Welcome along. Toot, are you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Toot, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, Neil, when I just pay attention to what is really going on in the world, um, I'm really surprised because especially the stand that the Christians are taking, let alone those who do not know God, is just so surprising, you know. Uh, when We know that uh, this issue of gender shouldn't be something so much harder uh, to, to Christian, and and especially to the government, because even the Bible says that all the government are established by God himself. So the uh, the people in the government should know that there's God in heaven. Um, just to point out some few things, we know that uh, <clears throat> um, we know that uh, the re- the reason why all these things are happening is because we know in the book of Romans chapter chapter one, uh, if you if if you see it in verse twenty one, it says that because these people knew God before, but they did not glorify God as God. So God gives them up. So what happens is when God gives you up, he takes out his spirit from you. And what replaces him is the spirit of the devil. And the acts that portray from the from that person are those works which are uh, which are written in, in the book of Galatians chapter twenty two, the works of the flesh. And that's why you see Toot, all there's the, the, good uh, thoughts that you're uh, introducing here. And uh, I'll bring Martin in on some of the things that you've been talking about. Martin, uh, thoughts here for Tut? Well, I I really agree with Tut uh, that uh, in the sense that, um, you know, we do live in times when it seems that there is a real unleashing of this uh, this rebellion that we talked about against God's creation power. 
Uh, and uh, Tut mentioned the gender issue. The last caller, Steve, mentioned the gender issue. But it's so many more things than that where people are saying, no, no, we are the creators now. You know, we're going to rewrite the rule book. We're going to take all of existence into our own hands uh, and we're just going to make sure that we live our own way. And we do that on, on nearly everything now, uh, from identity, who I am, through to the sexuality question, you know, racial issues, through to uh, how we look at the world. We say, no, we're in charge of the world now. God's not in charge of the world. We'll save the planet. God won't save the planet. You know, it goes on and on. Um, now, that really is the spirit of the age, this rebellion. And uh, what we find in Genesis again, and like I said, the, the, the answers just keep coming up in Genesis, we find this business of Babel, which was the first place where people got together and decided that they would build a city and that they would use their collective power and their institutions of government to secure themselves in their rebellion and say, you know what, we can't do this alone. We can't live the way we want to live by ourselves because there's consequences. Uh, you know, if we live our own way, uh, we get hurt when we're living outside of God's way. But we can build a state. We can build institutions that will save us from the consequences. So, you know, today we can live as we please in the sexual sense because we have all of the health clinics and we have all of that funded by the government. And we can, you know, promote this gender ideology because the government is in the education system funding that and indoctrinating people. And, and you see the arms of the state being used to promote the lie and to secure us in our rebellion. And that's Babel, the spirit of Babel. And it's, it's here today. But what's the solution to the spirit of Babel? Actually, it's the faithfulness of God's people. Uh, you see that in Babylon in Daniel's day. He lived in a society just like that. Uh, but Daniel and his three friends are what the Bible points out as the salt and the light in that place who really change things for God just through their faithfulness to God as their Lord, as the true creator, and as the one whom they served in every situation. And so I think that the responsibility on the individual Christian today is just getting greater and greater and greater because it is now up to us to be Daniels to stand against what is going on in our culture. Who would have thought you'd have to be a Daniel in our modern day? Tut, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation, you might have your own thought, a question. Martin Isles is our guest. Let's hear from Glenda, who is in southwest Victoria. Hi, Glenda. Welcome. G'day. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, I just want to talk about... Um, the sexual identity issue and it just breaks my heart in children and you do hear it from the um, pulpit and especially Christian media. It's been highlighted lately. However, I've never heard of sexual abuse from the pulpit. It's only recently been talked about, yet in Genesis, in the whole Bible it was happened occurred six times and first of all in Genesis with Lot and his daughters. And I really believe that this Abuse of any kind affects children and their decisions and lead, it leads to lack of hope, suicide and all sorts of destructive tendencies. You know, what is the, um, the statistics relating from this abuse to sexual gender? I don't think this has been talked about on this show so far. Well, there may well be connections between abuse and some of the confusion that goes on today and um, not about to, I don't know what those specific uh, research statistics might be and uh, Martin, you might have some thoughts here, but in a general sense here, uh, are there, do you think there are connections uh, that what we might be facing here in our 21st century uh, comes down to even some of the things you can glean from Scripture 
around times when you might be able to identify things that have been out of line so far as good relational mm. uh, uh, purpose? It's interesting. I was preparing um, uh, for my talk on the weekend and I was thinking, you know, when the modern world talks about the identity question and what's within us and what's worth pursuing, uh, it thinks that it's all good. It thinks that what comes out of the heart of man is goodness and rainbows and, 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 and all the things we need to prosper and be happy. Uh, and they say, you know, you do you. You be your best self. In other words, find all the answers on the inside. And it struck me that when Jesus talked about what, who we really are, what's actually on the inside of the human person, he didn't talk about the good bits. He said, actually, he said, out of the heart of man comes the things that defile him. And then he goes through a list, and it's quite long. He says, out of the heart of a person come evil thoughts, come thefts, uh, comes covetousness, comes, and then he says, comes um, uh, sexual immorality, uh, comes uh, perversions, and comes all these other things. And I thought, well, hang on, what would we expect to see then? So if Jesus is right, if he's saying actually sin, actually all these horrible things you see in the world, they, that resides in the hearts of people. That's why it's here. And if that's correct, then you would think that this gospel of identity, which is look within, discover yourself, what would accompany that would be an explosion of theft. What would accompany that would be an explosion of um, 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 uh, uh, strife, it would be an explosion of sexual immorality, it would be an explosion of, of perversions. Uh, and you know what? I see that. And so what the caller has touched on is the fact that actually this idea of uh, sexual perversion, this idea of sexual immorality, it is rife at so many levels of society, including in the hidden parts of society where abuse is taking place, where nobody knows about it. Uh, and of course, that's because we've missed the truth, which is that actually it is God who brings salvation. It is not our identities. Our identities actually create more and more sin in the world. Uh, and the main thing, I think, for us is to teach that truth. It's going to be very, very difficult for every pastor to address every problem. Um, and so I sympathize with pastors in that. It's really difficult to deal with all the problems and all the bad things and all the layers and layers of destruction that are in the world. But we can all teach truth. And we need to teach the truth about sexuality, the truth about um, sexual purity and all those kinds of things in order to address these issues in our world. Glenda, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you have a question or a comment, Martin Isles is our guest. Let's take another call. Dorothy is in Wondai in Queensland. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, good morning. Firstly, thank you, Neil, for this um, time and this conversation. And thank you, Martin, for everything that um, you are sharing and the wisdom and knowledge that I myself am gaining. Um, now, I'm a grandmother, a mother, um, a friend, and um, I was thinking, as you were discussing all these things, I've been very concerned about the gender issues, the culture issues, and I've been speaking with my children and my grandchildren and with some of our youth that go along to church. But what I want to ask is, we have a small group, ladies, we meet together. We're in a rural area. And just the other day, we got together just to encourage one another. And I brought up the topic about, do we know what's going on in school? Do you know what they're teaching? Da, 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 da. And anyway, we brought up the gender issue because that's the big one that seems to be really highlighted at the moment. And I noticed that some of my um, sisters were quite shocked. And I said, look, you need to know what's going on. But what I'm asking is, Martin, 
for me, I would like to find information when I get together with um, ladies group or any groups where we could um, discuss this openly and ourselves um, be better equipped to be able to talk with our children, our grandchildren, with our youth or with friends and mothers and grandmothers so that we are able, one, firstly, we know we need to bring it in our home surroundings and that, but when our children are at school. So where could I go to find simple teachings to be able to, for us to continue to learn, especially in the day and age where we are now? Wonderful insight and thoughts from you, Dorothy. And Martin, what are your thoughts? Look, what I would say is that a good place to start for something that is simple, straightforward, totally biblical, is go to the Answers in Genesis online store. There are a lot of resources there. Now, for example, I'm thinking now of something that I just gave some of my nieces and nephews, and it's an Answers series. It's a whole box set of little small books, you know, bite-sized books on all the cultural issues and all of the presenting issues of our time. Uh, And you will find one of those which addresses the uh, transgender and the gender identity issue. Um, Go there, find that sort of thing. It's simple, it's straightforward, it's easy to digest and understand. I would would really suggest starting there. Uh, And then all I can say is that uh, if you uh, wait until October, I'm writing a book about this. Uh, So (laughs) there's a book on biblical identity coming out, so that should be helpful as well. But that's a great place to start. Uh, Dorothy, is that helpful? Um Yes, Neil, will you have that site up on the um, page, on the vision page, where I can go in and have a look so I can, you know, go in there? Uh, The best thing will be to just write down the website, uh, Dorothy. Um, Otherwise, uh, we might have it there on our Facebook page. But but if you want something straight away, how you can connect, just answersingenesis.org is the website. Answersingenesis.org. Dot org. Dorothy, thank you so much for your call. At 1-800-316-316, let's take another call. Evelyn is in Southern Midlands in Tasmania. Hi, Evelyn. Welcome along. Hi. How are you? Good. What are your thoughts, Evelyn? Um, when I was younger, and I'm, I'm 65 now, when I was younger, I was sexually abused and saw men being treated, men and boys being treated better than women. So at around about my teenage years, I would have given anything to change genders. Mm. But that's not the right reason because I didn't really want to be a, a man, but I saw that society was treating them the privil- in a privileged way compared with females. <sighs> Interesting issue around uh inequality by way of gender, male and female, and the aspirations of what a young girl going into teenage years might see about that and have perceptions in her mind, or what a young man might feel. Uh, anyway, thoughts from you, uh, you know, Martin, for, for Evelyn? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm really sorry to hear what happened. Um, but uh, it, it, you, Evelyn has raised something pretty important, which is that if you were telling uh, young people to uh, act in you know really severe life-altering ways, based on how they're feeling at a particular point in time, uh, you know Evelyn has rightly pointed out that that would have taken her down a wrong path. 
um, what we need to actually do for people who are in many ways, who are, um, uh, are brokenhearted, people who are uh, hurt, people who need healing, uh, what we need to be doing is restoring them to the God who made them, uh, not telling them to say, well, whatever it is you're feeling, uh, go ahead and pursue that. And these days, that is what we are saying. And Evelyn has pointed out that one of the reasons why some of these young people, particularly young girls, want to become men is actually because deep down in their subconscious, um, they are concerned uh, because of abuse issues or because of mistreatment issues where they feel vulnerable as women and they think that if they could only become a man, they would be strong again. And that is a real phenomenon. And these days what we're doing is saying, well, sure, let's take you down the clinic and start that process and it cannot be reversed beyond a certain point. Uh, and that is a, that's just adding, that's adding pain upon pain. And what we need to be doing instead is teaching that there is a God in heaven who is a creator, but also a redeemer and a restorer of those who have been hurt. Evelyn, thank you so much for sharing that insight with us today. And we'll have to put a line under any other calls. Uh, Time has run out for our conversation. Uh, This weekend, you're going to be sharing the platform with uh, the Answers in Genesis CEO, Ken Ham, and uh, also uh, molecular geneticist, Dr. Georgia Purdom. So uh, on stage, uh, you're going to be uh, one of the three keynotes, uh, you and Ken Ham and Georgia Purdom. Uh, it's going to be a significant time. I mentioned it's already been sold out for months, a 1,500-seat auditorium sold out. Um, people can still watch that on a live stream via a Zoom uh, meeting. How do you think that is going to happen? You've got the details there at all? Mark? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is Friday night from um, 6 p.m. and then all day Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The conference is called Overcomers. I'm speaking three times, Ken's speaking a couple of times, and George is speaking a couple of times. Uh, and people can access that live stream uh, by going to answers.tv. That's it. That's the whole URL, answers.tv. TV. And if you scroll down, you'll see a section there called products and you'll see the overcomers graphic. Click on that and you can get access to the live stream for just $10. It's really not very much. Uh, It helps us pay for the cost of the conference uh, and you can follow along over the weekend. And even if you can't make it for the weekend, if you purchase that product, it will be available uh, forever. You know, you can go back and watch it in a week or two weeks or three months or whatever you like, or you can just subscribe to Answers TV and get a whole bunch of great resources along the lines of what I've been saying today and get access to the conference. So it's up to you. Answers.tv to get that Zoom connection for the Overcomers Conference from 6 p.m. tomorrow night and then all day on Saturday. And uh, you'll have access to the likes of Ken Ham, who's speaking on a topic, Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. And then you'll have Martin Isles uh, for three segments and uh, coming around issues of identity, sorts of things that we've begun only just to scratch the surface on today. And then Dr. Georgia Purdom is talking about the quest for perfection, eugenics, abortion, and our future. It'll be heavy, hard-hitting, great stuff. And Answers.tv is how you get to be a part of that Zoom uh, for the conference. It's called the Overcomers Conference. You could simply Google that too and you'd find out how to do all of that. Martin Isles, uh, look forward to some of these big initiatives that will be announced in the months ahead. Uh, Looking forward too to your book that uh, you're getting scheduled for around about October. So we'll be following things along there for listeners. Martin Isles, uh, Chief Ministry Officer for Answers in Genesis. 
Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your insights with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always my pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.